With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Happy Thursday, everyone. Thank you for spending your lunch break with us here on Catching Up with Bob LaBelle. I'm your host, Joe Perello of SweetSports.com. That's S-U-I-T-E. Sports.com. Check us out whenever you get a chance. You can check out Bob LaBelle's blog. You can check out our snarky uh, sports commentary and some high school and college recruiting. Uh, joining me as always, sports legend, the face of Boston sports for 30 years, Mr. Bob LaBelle. Bob, how you doing today? I'm okay, Joe. As long as you can hear me, all right? Uh, yeah, we can we can hear you just fine. And obviously, you touched on a bunch of things in your blog this week. It was a very, very busy week for Boston sports and perhaps not the best of weeks with uh, Doc Rivers leaving town, Aaron Hernandez being charged with murder, obstruction of justice, uh, and the Bruins going down in game in six games in the Stanley Cup Finals. And, and that's kind of where I want to start. It was really a heartbreaking way to lose. They were up two to one with what a minute, less than a minute and a half to go, and they gave up two goals in roughly 17 seconds to the Blackhawks and get eliminated at the TD Garden. Really tough way to go out after a pretty incredible playoff run for the Bruins. So I, I've got to ask you, Bob. You've seen a lot of of Boston sports moments and, and really Boston sports moments. We tend to remember the heartbreaking ones, the the really tough ones, the the Buckners and things like that. Where does the two goals in 17 seconds rank among the all-time disappointments in Boston sports history? Well, that's a fair question, and I think other people have also tried to wrestle with that one. And uh, here's here's how it could have been worse. It could have been Game Seven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it could have been much worse. It was stunning to say the least. Mm. We've not done that to Toronto. It would have been even more stunning. Yeah. But certainly, um, you know, the Stanley Cup giveth and the Stanley Cup taketh away. So the fact that about three weeks ago we did it to somebody else took a little sting out of it. And I guess if it were game seven, it would have just been, uh, you know, way over the top. Now, it was over the top. I'll say that. Yeah. I don't think it was as tough as the Super Bowl loss to the Giants in mm. uh, in the Tyree catch. I think that was tougher. I think uh, mm. certainly Buckner and Grady Little were tougher. I, I think this was this was difficult on a lot of levels, but there. Uh, I think most people had come to grips with the fact that this was not the same Bruins team uh, that. Won in 2011, or I should say their opponent, the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. Not an easy team to hate, like not like Vancouver. So, yeah. it, you know, you might have disliked them, but you certainly respected them because they played they played the game the right way. Both teams played the game pretty much the right way, and so, yeah, lost it, and uh, that was very disappointing. But we've we've had worse. So, and this could have been worse. Yeah, I mean, 
it, it's certainly one people are going to be talking about for a long time, but you're right. If, if this was game seven and a chance to right. win the cup with less than a minute and a half, oof, that would have been tough. Think about that. <laughs> Think about what that would have been like. Yeah. Well, I, I've got to ask then, what is in your mind the biggest letdown or the biggest disappointment in Boston sports history? Is it the Buckner? Is it the ball rolling through his legs, or is it something else? No, it wasn't Buckner because that was game six. Could have mm-hmm. uh, could have been game seven, right, just yeah. like this. And yeah. the Sox actually had a lead in game seven. You have to go back and, you know, check the – yeah, there's three nothing. Buckner was was pretty cruel, but it wasn't the worst. Uh, Grady Little was pretty bad. Uh, wasn't mm-hmm. the worst. I think the I think the Super Bowl loss to the Giants after going 19 and 0 and losing yeah. to the Tyree catch uh, since he hasn't caught another ball in the National Football League nor Willie. I think that that had I think kind of stands alone in terms of difficult. Losses, difficult moments. Um, Now, you talk about Dan Shaughnessy had a great column today, and I I couldn't agree with him more that this was the worst. The Hernandez stuff is the worst. It doesn't get any um, any sadder or badder than this. And where where they go from here uh, is anybody's guess, but it's just such a such a brutal story, and yeah. we're not done with it yet by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, it's been a tough week in a lot of ways. We've had great weeks in a lot of ways. Ironically, the Red Sox, who now have taken over front and center in, in, mm-hmm. in the public relations, uh, the Red Sox, <laughs> have, other than these two games against Colorado, they lost six or seven in game ground on the rest of the American League East. So we're in for a pretty wild summer throughout July and August and September. A pretty wild summer. Yeah, certainly going to be an interesting summer. And obviously, once these other stories die down a little bit, we'll fully focus on the Red Sox. Uh, you mentioned that, that Super Bowl loss, and so much was at stake there. The undefeated season, the chance for Tom Brady to match Joe Montana with four Super Bowls, uh, and obviously they've lost to the Giants again since then. So kind of a, a watershed moment for uh, the legacies of he and Bill Belichick. Don't forget that they had come back and Brady had engineered a drive with a touchdown pass to Randy Moss, which was a clear clear historic ending, or would have been, with the year that Brady, years of Brady and Moss had together in that 19-0 run, and to have them finish it out with the Super Bowl. I mean, the story had already been written. Uh, and then yeah. the Giants coming back. That, that was painful. I mean, it just even it, it, it hurts to talk about it. But the thing about the <laughs> Hernandez story, and I was sick to my stomach over that. I mean, so I, yeah. I just kind of went out this morning and, you know, had a cup of coffee, talked to some people. And it's it really is something that's difficult to get your uh, head around because of the uh, – emotional impact that this had. This guy was like some bum, you know, eighth-round draft pick or whatever, came in as a free agent or whatever and, and did it. You know, okay, the man was killed. It was a murder that took place. And this eighth-round draft pick from, you know, some some A&M school, whatever, 
it would go it would be going away real quickly. Yeah. This not gonna go away quickly. No. No it's not and we're you know, finding more out uh by the day about his his past and there's all these other these other boxes are opening about, you know, he had a violent past and and things of that nature. So it sounds like to me you're probably in agreement with the Patriots letting him go. They let him go before he was even arranged. Forget about the legal system playing out. Do you, do you think they, they made the right call knew, there? Uh, they knew what was going on. They knew he was good, what uh, what the charges uh, were going to be. It's impossible for them not to have known. Um, mm-hmm. So, having having said that, I do agree with Shaughnessy. He said that the people are going to say the Patriots did the uh, right thing, but the reality was Patriots did the only thing they could yeah. do, and that was to say goodbye to this guy, wipe his name off any depth charges. You go ahead on a, on a website and see if you can find Aaron Hernandez's name uh, on any future publication or whatsoever. They just they have you know took all his jerseys out of the pro shop, and it's like he never existed uh, for the Patriots as much as they could. They have distanced yeah. themselves from this guy. I mean, yeah, this guy, I mean, you have to. Guy's a hell of a player. I mean, really, mm-hmm. wasn't he? I mean, he was. If, if there's no Gronkowski, then this is the guy. This is your all-pro tight end. Well, he's all-prison tight end. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, it's pretty interesting, and you know, for just from a football standpoint. You lose him, Gronkowski's a question mark. They lose Welker from last season. They lose Lloyd from last season. I mean, Brady's one of the all-time great quarterbacks, but uh, the cupboard's getting a little bit bare. Right, I'm saying, you know, he's one of the all-time greats, but even he's not going to be able to make up for what they might have lost. So they got some work to do. They they may be able to, you know, find a way around this or through this or past this, but this is a – this whole season now is going to be tainted by Gronkowski's injuries and uh, Hernandez's arrest. It's still just unbelievable to me. This, this quality of player just couldn't figure it out. The, the gang world was more important than the NFL world, clearly, uh, in this guy's mind. So, Yes, it's very, very, you know, guy signs that lucrative of a contract, you think, the only thing on his mind would be just having fun and, and enjoying enjoying the fruits of, of his hard work getting that level. This guy had much deeper issues uh, uh, in the gang world and clearly was unable to, to leave that in the past. He just could not. Money just could not. Uh, uh, and it's happened many times before. Money just can't put you down the right path of life. Money can help or it can hurt, but it's not going to do it for you. You still have to do it yourself. And clearly Aaron Hernandez could not do it for himself. Punk. I mean, that's it. If he's a good, great football player, not good. He could be a great football player, but yeah, he's a punk for sure. And incidentally, he adds to the list of, uh, I don't know if you realize this, former Florida Gators under Urban Meyer that have all been arrested for different things. That team, uh, known for being pretty squeaky clean because Tim Tebow was the face of it, but actually more arrests than any team in college football during that time. And now uh, the legacy lives on in the NFL with uh, this unfortunate incident with Aaron Hernandez. Uh, right about uh, that. Go ahead. Christine brought up the Urban Meyer thing because he and Belichick are close. 
I mean, there's no doubt in my mind, or should there be in anybody's mind, that Belichick and Urban Meyer had uh, conversations about Aaron Hernandez during that draft, yeah. and that's why the Patriots took him. Uh, so did they not do their homework? I don't know. They've, I think there's some things that you think you can overcome but clearly can't. This would be one of those examples. So Urban yeah. Meyer, whatever, uh, that that program, something about Florida. It was either it's Florida or, or the U at Miami. <laughs> you know, it's, this is a world of trouble. Where like, and what, 28, 30 people, 30 guys have been arrested since the Super Bowl in the NFL? I mean. Yeah, it's crazy. Anybody, these guys, a lot of these guys would be in jail if it wasn't for the National Football League. Yeah, most definitely. And and getting back to the Florida University Miami thing, it's weird because Hernandez is from Connecticut. He isn't even from the area, so I don't really know how he ended up down there. But obviously, well, a tremendous you know talent. Great job recruiting him, and uh, I'm yeah. sure his posse uh, got some benefits. Whatever we don't, you know, we don't know. I mean, <laughs> the tentacles for a school like that. In a high-powered program like that, if you're a good player, they'll find you. No. So. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Uh, Patriots, I want to go back I don't to know. the – good. No, the, the, the Patriots, yeah. do they go ahead and change their strategy or, or whatever about drafting, do they, you know, their philosophy on drafting in any different but, – but also, I don't mean to jump around here, but I'm going to speak about Florida. You went down to the seventh game of the Miami Heat. And the Spurs, uh, yeah. how was it? What was it like? <laughs> it was it was a heck of a night, Bob. Uh, yeah, I, I was very very fortunate. I was able to score tickets uh, to Game Four of the Stanley Cup at TD Garden, and then I jumped on a plane the next morning, and I was at Game Seven of the NBA Finals. And whew, I got to tell you, two totally different crowds. You know, we went to Boston. It was the diehards. They were pounded on the glass. Everyone was going crazy. They ended up losing that game. That was when they lost six to five in overtime. Uh, and the next night, I was I was amongst the stars, amongst the celebrities uh, in Miami. Uh, sat next to uh, not the Kardashians, what's the younger ones, the the Jenners, I guess Jenners' daughters that have his last name. And uh, Cam Newton was around, a couple of rappers, things like that. It was really we surreal. Like, that's big time, big time, <laughs> Joe, big time. Yeah, 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 you know, Sweet Sparse is taking us to the top, Bob. <laughs> that's right. Did you? Uh, that's, that's, to take pictures, or is this uh, oh, I got pictures. one of those things you pictures. just went to enjoy it? Oh, no, I, you know you know this modern day and age. We can't go anywhere without taking a million pictures on our phone and, and posting them to Facebook and, and putting them on Twitter and things like that. So, yeah, I, I got some pictures. I wrote a blog on Sweet Sports. Uh, if anybody out there wants to check it out, there's some pictures of uh, the different crowds and, and things like that. And really just uh, <laughs> comparing the two experiences, I don't think you can get two more opposite championship experiences than Bruins in the Stanley Cup, Heat in the NBA Finals, just the, the total mindset of the crowds and the teams just polar off. Explain that. Well, I mean, one, is it one celebrates with champagne, the other celebrates with beer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that would be one way to describe it. Uh, I didn't get to see both teams celebrate because you got to remember I was there for a Bruins loss, so it's a little apples and oranges. But the game time experience – you know, the, there was just a – there was a definite electricity and energy in both buildings, but for different reasons. Uh, you know, the Bruins crowd was highly in tune to the game. It was 
you know, cheering for poke checks and clearings and, you know, killing penalties and things, subtle things like that, where in Miami the crowd would go crazy for dunks and three-pointers and not much else, you know, occasional block, things like that. But the crowd wasn't – it didn't seem like they were as invested. And we got these tickets uh, through my dad's work, and, and they were great seats, and we got access to the, the premium lounge and things like that. We were in the premium lounge during the game – to try to grab a drink and people were in there watching the game cheering loudly and everything. And you just wanted to tap these people on the shoulder and say like, you know, you can go through this curtain and, and the game is right there and you, you paid to watch. But So well, it, no, it was, they were there for the uh, celebrity experience. Sometimes in Foxborough, that's, it happens too. Uh, people, yeah. you know, I, I've covered Super Bowls where members of the media will sit not watching the game, but watching, in the press room on television of the game. So it's like, yeah, I mean, these are totally different experiences. But that's that's great, Joe. I'm happy for you. And I assume that I don't know if you wanted Miami to win or not, but at that point. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I wanted, you know, I'm a fair, I, as I, I'm a self-admitted fair-weather Heat fan. I, I grew up in South Florida, but uh, my family's from Pittsburgh, so I was rooting for the Pittsburgh team. But, you know, Pittsburgh doesn't have an NBA team. So uh, I picked up the Heat. When they stink, I'll watch them every now and then. When they're great, I'll watch them in the playoffs and stuff like that. But I'm not, I'm not a diehard. I'm the problem with Miami fans. I'm not a diehard fan by any means. No, I get it. I understand. I, but it's nice that you can appreciate those little nuances of, of the difference in the crowds and uh, the difference in the atmosphere. And ch- because, yeah, clearly they would be different. Even if it was the same city, it would be yeah. different because of the nature nature of the games. And besides, the Spurs had their shot. Game six was their Oh yeah. Game six was their shot. And uh shame on them for blowing it. I, I really think that uh there was no way in the world they they should have just lost that game. And I, I just they have only themselves to blame. Yeah, you and you really got the feeling after they lost that game, after uh you know, what were they at? They're up four with the ball shooting free throws and to give up those back-to-back three-pointers, the LeBron James three. Then LeBron misses a three. They give up the offensive rebound, and Ray Allen hits the three to send it to overtime. I mean, their win probability was over 99%. If you look, the, if you look up the stats, their win probability in that situation was 99.4%. The yeah, chances of them losing that game. <laughs> All you have to do is make a couple of key fouls, put them to the line, and there's no way they could have come back and beaten you with three three-pointers. Yeah, exactly. If you would, if anything, if they would have just fouled LeBron before he took that three, he would have yeah. shot what one and one. He would have shot one yeah. and one, so it would have been impossible. Yeah. <laughs> well, so where's where was the coach? Where where was that strategy? You know, yeah. Yeah. Pop, Popovich, one of the greats of all time, but uh, he, he made some questionable decisions. Antonio, but uh, he wouldn't have got away with it here. Yeah, no, that's that's true. The media is a little. A little bit more media scrutiny in Boston than in San Antonio. But, you know, Boston coaches, they're always under the microscope. And speaking of that, Doc Rivers, he's headed out of town after a a pretty great run with Boston's version of the Big Three. Uh, He won a title, went to two NBA finals, uh, took the Lakers to seven, nearly won a pair. Uh, But I want to know, you know, you've seen a lot of Celtics basketball. What do you think his legacy is going to be? Because he wasn't a great coach until he got the Big Three. And after the big three aged, he, again, wasn't a great coach. Always been a good coach and pretty widely respected around the league. You know, is he going to be 
viewed as a, a great coach in the history of the Celtics or, or just a good one? I think just a good one. I mean, I people are certainly beginning to realize no coach is going to will a championship. It's all about yeah, players are going to be a, a successful coach, period. But yeah. uh, my feeling about uh, Doc Rivers is that he, he's very smart and he's very selfish, and he had – he didn't want to work too hard. He didn't want to work hard enough to just stay around and no matter what the money was and rebuild this team. He, it was time for him to move on. And you know what? He got a chance to coach a much better team. And that, if that's what he's all about, then that's what he's all about. There'll, there'll be plenty of people that'll swear by Doc Rivers and there'll be plenty of people that'll swear at him. I mean, I think yeah. that he was, I think he was wrong. I, I think he, people hate Patino around here. They won't hate Doc Rivers, but they certainly uh, can't um, deify him for this sleazy move. And I think it was a sleazy move, actually. Yeah, kind of. He kind of forced their hand because he basically said he didn't totally. want to be here. You can't really bring back a guy that pretty much quit on right. the team. Yeah. So okay, they got a draft pick for him, which is you know probably with the L.A. Clippers, it's not going to mean much of anything. So. Yeah. No, they get you know. They, okay, great. They can say they got something for him, but sleazy move. It was a sleazy move. Okay, um, and that's to me. That's the way I'll view him. But I don't know how yeah. other fans. Other fans might be just so overjoyed he brought him or was there for one championship. But and I clearly also have no interest in seeing Kevin Garnett or Pierce back next year. Yeah. But, you know, you said it's a sleazy move, but in my opinion, I think it could benefit the Celtics in the long run. It could force them to bring in a young coach. It, you know, you want to start stockpiling draft picks. So you get this draft pick, and then maybe you get a draft pick for Garnett. Then maybe you get a draft pick for Pierce. And then maybe you maybe, can package maybe. all those for well, a higher draft pick. A month ago, when they could have shine, signed Brian Shaw, who would have been a perfect yeah. replacement for Doc Rivers. Uh, yeah. But, you know, Denver grabbed him. And, that, you know, if, if Doc Rivers had been honest a month ago, this all would have been – you know, you've been able to have a coach going into the draft. Now yeah. it's not now. Who, who's going to be left out there? Coaches. Uh, yeah, that's A retread, probably somewhere, a retread. No, no, that's that's definitely a great point that, you know, it's kind of the point Cleveland fans were saying when LeBron left. Like, if he would have just been honest, we could have made different signings and things like that. But in this yeah. case, it's even more because the Celtics are one of the prime jobs in the NBA. They could have had their pick of the litter. <laughs> Right. Yeah, well, you think, but I think Brian Shaw would have been here in a heartbeat. It would have been a nice, nice, uh, you know, completing the circle since he was here as a player, whatever. But forget it. It's not, he's taken and they're not about, people talking about, well, maybe Danny Ainge will come back and coach. I don't think that yeah. solves anything. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, so. I don't think that would solve anything either. Uh, you know, it's been a tough week, Joe. You're right. It's been a, you know, <laughs> it's been, we've gone from marathon uh, tragedy. We've gone from the Toronto Maple Leaf uh, exultation, and now we're we're bummed out by a lot of different things. However, the uh, the Red Sox could uh, save the day before it's over. Yeah, well, that well, that's certainly the hope. Certainly the hope is that uh, the Red Sox have a big summer in store. 
to kind of uh, rebuild uh, the, the psyche of Boston sports, and then hopefully the Patriots can somehow overcome their uh, their lack of weaponry and and you know put together a nice uh, fine season. Last question, Bob. Let you go. Uh, and also for anybody listening, we're not going to be on during the fourth. We're going to enjoy uh, the fourth of July without a reason. Hey, well, show, I, but... I, I'll try not to call in. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. I appreciate it. But last question, staying with the Celtics, do you think right now we mentioned, you know, stockpiling draft picks, they're going to, they're probably going to get rid of Garnett and Pierce. Uh, do you think they have enough to rebuild around? Rondo's coming off an injury. Green had a good season. Sullinger improved. But do they just totally blow this thing up, maybe try to trade Rondo and see what they can swing for him and trade everybody and just try to draft and sign free agents? Or do you think that's a good enough core to put pieces around to you know, contend sometime soon? I'm not smart enough to answer that question and be <laughs> right or wrong, but I, I'll, it just feels like they're they're not feels like they mm-hmm. they're not that come to the rondo thing you almost have to stay with him and see how he can play before you trade him because of the mm-hmm. surgery um and i i don't think so i think if if they had the stuff then i think doc rivers might have just stayed here but no yeah. I, it's going to be too complicated and too long for them to make any kind of comeback yeah that do you think they trade Paul Pierce wherever he wants to go? Do you think they owe him that? Yes, I think they I, – I, do they owe him that? I don't know. I don't no. think I don't think so. I think they try to get the best deal they can for him. Uh, it, might be a, it might be a place that he wants to go, but you're not going to get a whole lot for him, a second-round pick or yeah. whatever. I, I just – it's kind of over for him. I do think that uh, – the same with Garnett. I, they they just kind of hung around a couple years too long. One certainly. Um, yeah, at least at least one. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know, Danny Ainge was talking, and he said something about you know Red Auerbach mentioning that he kept those championship teams together a little too long after they had gone over the hill, and and he wanted to make sure he didn't make that mistake. But I feel like he kind of already did make that mistake for the last year or two, at least. Do you agree with that? I do. I totally agree with that. I can understand why he said that. But, you know, when Red was uh, running the show, it was a little different world back then. The draft was an animal, and, um, you know, things the Celtics just were in a position to make top pick after top pick. It It was a much different world back then. You know, people were staying in college for four years. Now, it's, it's, uh, different pool to choose from and I think Ainge did what you you just said he did. He just waited a year too too long. And that it's hard to it's hard to not, you know, it's hard to not, you know, yeah. break up that gang, you know, the gang that brought you there. So Yeah, and we, we anyway, see that in every I, sport. We see that in every sport. I think you look look at the NFL true, and the Steelers aren't cutting veterans. Patriots aren't uh, they, do, they don't fall in love with players. They fall in love with winning. I, I would they say do. that's. I say that's Belichick's greatest asset. They'll have yeah. to somehow get by this Hernandez thing, but uh, they will, and it might not. It might serve them well to be somewhat of an underdog 
going into the season for a change. Yeah, it's certainly been a while since they've been the underdog. And, hey, the last time they were an underdog, what was that, way yeah. back in 2001, they won the Super Bowl. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Just, All right, Bob, right. thanks so much. Uh, I guess we got another week off next week, but we'll be back in two weeks. Always good to have you. Uh, enjoy the fourth. All right, Joe. Thanks. You too. Appreciate it. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.